Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good evening, everyone. This is a special broadcast on the eve or the uh, July 4th celebration uh, ending at uh, 12 o'clock midnight. That's the the way uh, most Americans and and people around the world, they go by the, the Roman calendar. That's not a Bible study, but anyway. Uh, Shalom, which means peace. My name is Kennard Levy-Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. We have quite a few programs in the archives that you can access 24-7. You can access it on Blog Talk Radio, Google Play, and other uh, podcasts online, Stitcher. Also, you can access the program by getting the app, and it works on Google Play and also on um, the iPhone uh, application as well. So anyway, we are going to talk about something that uh, I need to talk about that I believe uh, the Master is leading me to talk about, uh, America or the United States. Who are we? Do we have any uh, linkage at all to the Jews? Are we a part of Israel? What is our future? Because the way things are going in this country right now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure that uh, many of you that are listening to me for the first time, you've had barbecue, you've looked at sports and all that. But really, this day, let's go over the history of this day and what it really represents. And uh, I'm going to, of course, use the Bible here to help us to understand some things. Now, I got this from the uh, Wikipedia article, the United States Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of Independence is the statement adopted by the Second Continental Congress meeting at Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on July 4, 1776, which announced that the 13 American colonies then at war with the Kingdom of Great Britain, that's important to understand because the original Americans came from Britain, which, by the way, Britain was a part of the Roman Empire, I'll tell you that, regarded themselves as 13 newly independent sovereign states and no longer under British rule. So let's do a little history lesson here. Uh, the colonies were originally under British rule, and they were taxed um, oppressively. Instead, they formed a new nation, the United States of America. John Adams was a leader in pushing for independence, 
which was passed on July 2nd with no opposing vote cast. A committee of five had already drafted a former declaration to be ready when Congress voted on independence. The term Declaration of Independence is not used in the document itself. And so this is from Wikipedia, the article, United States Declaration of Independence. Now further on, John Adams persuaded the committee to select Thomas Jefferson to compose the original draft of the document which Congress would edit to produce the final version. The declaration was ultimately a formal explanation of why Congress had voted on July 2nd to declare independence from Great Britain more than a year after the outbreak of the American Revolutionary War. The national birthday, Independence Day, is celebrated on July 4th, the date that the Declaration of Independence was signed. Okay, so that gives you a little backdrop in history on what this day is all about. And we need to understand basically uh the the war and the war the uh the war of independence was about uh getting away from the oppression of great britain the taxation that was uh uh being uh implemented on the colonies and they did not appreciate that and uh, eventually of course uh, they got away from it so that's what it's all about without going into further detail. You can look this up yourself, but that's what it was about, getting away from oppression. And really, when you when you look at the history of uh, Israel in the Bible, it was also an oppression-type state, uh, certainly was a part of. And God delivered them from oppression, or similarly, uh, those that, were from Britain that came over into the New World or uh, the United States of America, they wanted to be released from oppression. And so oppression really, ladies and gentlemen, is a real serious problem in society. It has been for quite some time. And I know when I speak to people about this, they just, (laughs) for some reason, don't seem to understand that oppression, I'm not saying all people, but uh, generally when I speak to people about it, uh, it, it, it just they just don't seem to understand that this is a serious thing that's been going on for years. Not everybody, but a good bunch. Uh, Deuteronomy 5, verse 14, in the context of, of the Sabbath day or Shabbat, it says, But the seventh day is the Shabbat of the Master, thy Yah, or God. In it thou shalt do, not do any work, Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as you. Now, in verse 15, this is the verse I want to get to. And remember that you were a servant in the land of Egypt, Egypt is a type of the world, and that the master, your Yah, or God, brought you out hence, through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore, the master commanded you to keep the Shabbat. And so that's interesting that he refers to the the oppression that uh, the Israelites went through back then because they they did not, they worked every day, didn't get a chance to rest, and they just worked them to death, basically. And so God freed them from that. He freed them from oppression. And that is really how our country uh, originated. Now, in Leviticus, actually in Exodus chapter 23, verse 9, it says, Also you shall not oppress a stranger, 
you should not oppress a stranger. Uh, for you know the heart of a stranger, seeing you were strangers in the land of Egypt. In verse 21, thou shalt, so that tells you what a stranger is, is somebody that's not a citizen of, uh, of a country, basically. Um, verse 21, or did not originally, was not originally born in that country. Verse 20, thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You were, you know, so we, that, that's a great sin to do that. And in Leviticus 25, verse 17, you shall not therefore oppress one another, but you shall fear thy Yah, for I am the Lord your God. All right, so this, this is very important to understand, ladies and gentlemen. God is, is, is very adamant about that. He does not want us to oppress anyone, to oppress anyone, to make things unnecessarily harder than what they should be for someone. And then this word, gear, um, for stranger in Hebrew, it, it indicates in general, anyone who is not native to a given land or among a given people. The word is used most often to describe strangers or soldiers in Israel who are not native-born Israelites and were temporarily dwellers or newcomers. A person, family, or group might leave their homeland and people to go elsewhere because of war or immediate danger, as Moshe or Moses had done. Naomi and her family were forced to travel to Moab to sojourn because of a famine in Israel. God's call to Abraham to leave his own land of Ur of the Chaldees and made him a soldier and an alien in the land of Canaan. All right, so that's that's what that biblically that's what that means, and and you know that the United States has quite a few uh, so-called strangers or people that weren't born in this country, as prophesied, as you're going to see. Um, well, I don't know if you'll see today, but uh, as as you go into further study with this in a future broadcast, uh, you'll you'll see that. So, let's understand something about liberty because right now Americans are embracing the so-called liberty of gay gayness the so-called liberty of being a transgender and now um, from the recent studies that I've been doing over the internet um, they're starting to consider whether or not somebody can marry an animal now and so it's getting to that point now ladies and gentlemen our, our society is really really getting uh, in a sodom state of perversion unfortunately. And I'll explain to you what I meant there. Uh, Sodom is not just homosexuality. It's a lot of other sins, too, that we're going to discuss in this program. But anyway, the Liberty Bill. What is the significance of the Liberty Bill? Uh, not the Liberty. <laughs> the Liberty Bell. What is the significance of the Liberty Bell? All right, so I'm going to quote this from the Wikipedia article, Liberty Bell. The Liberty Bell is an iconic symbol of American independence located in Philadelphia. Now, keep in mind, Philadelphia means brotherly love. And so this Liberty Bell is located in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, formerly placed in the steeple of the Pennsylvania State House, now renamed Independence Hall. The bell today is located in the Liberty Bell Center in Independence National Historical Park. The bell was commissioned from the London firm of Lester and Pack, today the Whitechapel Bell Foundry in 1752. So it came from Britain, which is pretty interesting, and was cast with the lettering, Proclaim Liberty throughout all the land and to all the inhabitants thereof, a biblical reference from the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, verse 10. So that should give you a clue here where I'm going. Why would we have a bell with a biblical inscription on it, ladies and gentlemen, if we didn't have something to do with Israel? And so that, that's, that's something, a question for you to ponder, first of all. Now let's turn to Leviticus, chapter 25, verse 10. 
and you shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and you shall return every man into his possession, and you shall return every man into his family. A jubilee shall that 50th year be unto you. You shall not sow, neither reap that which grow of itself, nor gather the grapes of the vine undressed. For it is a jubilee. It shall be holy unto you. You shall eat the increase thereof out of the field. In the year of this jubilee, you shall return every man into his possession. And if you sell off anything unto your neighbor or bias of thy neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. Here we go again. We're, we're talking about the oppression of society, the oppression that is in America, despite what people try to say that, hey, we care about people and everybody loves each other. That is certainly not true, ladies and gentlemen, because if that was, we wouldn't have the curses that we have in this country and around the world. So let's let's be realistic about the state that we're in right now. And so that's what the Jubilee is all about, ladies and gentlemen. The Jubilee is, is about freedom. It's about um, it's about people being released from burdens. That's what it is. All right, so that's the simplest way I can explain it on this program for today. All right, so the interesting thing about the Liberty Bell is that it has a crack in it. And I really believe that that's symbolic of of our situation in America. And we've had that crack for quite a few years since the, the 19th century, ladies and gentlemen. And that crack should tell us that we are not doing what we're supposed to do. We're not loving our brothers. We're not showing brotherly love all across the land. And that's what, and we are oppressing people all across the land. And that scripture in Leviticus 25, verse 10, which the Liberty Bell has on it, says, proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all the inhabitants thereof. We are not obeying that, and that's the reason why this country is being cursed with ignorance, with uh, leaders that aren't really obeying what the Scriptures uh, command, and we're going to go over that today. And this has all been prophesied. And I I have to speak out on this. I I just don't hear people. If there are some people speaking about this, that's great. But I I don't hear uh, people a lot of ministers preaching about this. I really don't, so I'm going to have to preach about it. Psalm 119, verse 45 states, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. The the Hebrew for that is pikukdim. All right? And it means directions, regulation, principle, instructing to do a certain action which is to be obeyed, by all in the same society of the covenant or the agreement. And so this certainly has something to do, ladies and gentlemen, with keeping uh, Torah. Torah is the doctrines and instructions of Yah, which is translated law in most cases in your King James Version of the Bible. But it means the doctrines and instructions of of God. So currently the the Liberty Bell is cracked. And again, this, this is symbolic because we do not have liberty from oppression. We don't have liberty from abominations, uh, murders, and sin throughout the land. Again, Philadelphia means brotherly love, and we collectively as a nation do not have the brotherly love we should have toward one another. And there is great confusion on what liberty is biblically. 
certainly among most Christians. They believe that I had the liberty to sin, and all I got to do is, is is cry out to Yeshua or Jesus, and He will save me. Well, liberty, ladies and gentlemen, is not that, and that's not the biblical definition of liberty. A believer of Yeshua, that's his Hebrew name for Jesus, should have liberty from sin and from the curses of sin. That's the kind of liberty we should have, not the liberty to do what we want to do. Uh, Let's turn to John chapter 8, verse 32. John chapter 8, verse 32. You know, American society today, as prophesied, is mixed up on these things. We we have a Bible in our homes, but hardly any of us read it. Think about over 30% even read it just once a week. John chapter 8, verse 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so the truth defined in the Bible is is the spirit. So if you have the Holy Spirit, it's the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of truth, ladies and gentlemen. And the spirit is truth. And there's a spirit of error, and there is a spirit of truth. You have to know if you have the spirit of truth, (laughs) because if you don't, you have the spirit of error. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And as Psalm 119.142 says, all the instructions and doctrines, the precepts of the Torah of Yah is the truth. John 17, verse 17 states that uh, Yeshua was praying to his father, and he said that his father's words are the truth. All right? And if you have the Holy Spirit, because not everyone has the Holy Spirit, then you will be keeping all the doctrines and commandments of Yah to the best of your ability. Verse 33, they answered him, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How do you say you shall be made free? And so let's understand the context here uh, of where this was said. Uh, He's talking among his fellow Jews because remember Jesus or Yeshua is a Jew. And verse 34, Yeshua answered them, says, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. So let me repeat this two more times so you understand, all right? Yeshua answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. One more time. Yeshua answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. And so if you commit sin, meaning that you you don't occasionally sin, but you just do it in a rapid pace where you don't care. That's what he's talking about. You are a servant of sin. Verse 35, and the servant abides not in the house forever. The son abides forever. But the son abides forever. Verse 36, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham seed is talking to the Jewish audience, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. And I can understand that when I preach his words, the same reaction. Anyone else that preaches his words, people act like they want to kill you because the word has no place in them. They they don't have the right type of attitude to receive it. Verse 38, I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. And, and you know, he gets really deep with them here in verse 39. <laughs> they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Yeshua said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Verse 40, but now you seek to kill me, a man that have told you the truth, which I have heard of Yah, this did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. And then we're going to find out what father he's talking about here in a minute. Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. So they accused him falsely of being born of fornication, and that was not the case. We have one father, even God. Verse 
in verse 42, Yeshua said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceed I proceeded forth and came from God. And this is literally what he's saying, that he came, he proceeded and came forth from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Verse 43, why do you not understand my speech? Because you cannot hear or understand, or shema in Hebrew, my word. So they couldn't understand intelligently his words because they did not have the spirit to understand. Verse 44, you are of your father the devil. So the devil is also a father, ladies and gentlemen. And so if you are the servant of sin, you are the servant of the devil. You are the servant of the devil. Verse 44, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abide not in the truth. He does not keep Torah. He doesn't keep Torah, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks of a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Verse 45, and because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. And this is our Lord's, uh, folks. This was the the superman, the perfect human being. And he had problems with his own people believing him. Verse 46, which of you convinces me of sin or can prove that he sinned? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? In verse 47, here's the answer. He that is of God hears or understands or shamas intelligently or hears or understands intelligently God's words. You therefore hear them not nor understand them not because you are not of God. So that's the that's the test. That's the test. And I encounter that a lot. People, I, I preach to them. I, I, I'm doing what I'm doing right now. And people, uh, they don't understand what I'm saying because they don't have the spirit. They don't have the spirit of God. And, and the reason why they don't is because they don't have the desire to want to repent and change of their wicked ways. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 16 to 23. Romans 6, verse 16 to 23. States the following, know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So you have two options, folks. Either you start obeying God and you will live forever, ultimately, or you continue to obey the other fathers, two fathers. You have Father God and Father Devil, okay? And you can be servants of either of them. I don't know about you. But I prefer to be a servant of God, not the devil. Because if I continue to be the servant of the devil, what does it say here? Know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death. So if I allow the devil to become my father, then I'm going to die. Okay? If I allow the father to become, the father God to become my father, then I will live. But, but here's, here's the key that most Christians don't understand. It states right here, let me read this again in verse 16. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether sent unto death or, or obedience unto righteousness. So we have to obey righteousness. What is the Bible's definition of righteousness? I've been falsely accused, of, like I don't know what I'm talking about about this, but the Bible t- defines righteousness. And Psalm 119, 172 is, is keeping the Torah, the, the Torah. All the instructions and doctrines of God. Verse 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. But you have obeyed from, you have to obey. Obey from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. 
The doctrine is the Torah, which tells us to keep the Sabbath and the holy days, like Yeshua did. Verse 18, being then made free from sin. So that's what you're free from. You became the servants of righteousness. So we have to be servants of righteousness. Verse 19, now speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, that's repeated sin, even so now yield your members servant to righteousness unto holiness, or kiddoshim in Hebrew, to be, to be holy. Verse 20, for when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. So when you sin according to Father Devil, you were free of righteousness. But you want to turn that around now. Verse 21, what fruit had ye then in those things? Fruit is what you do, not what you say says, what fruit had ye then in those things wherein you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. It's death. Verse 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting. So that's the freedom and liberty that this country uh, should be expressing on July 4th. Freedom from sin. And that's what it was. We were celebrating freedom from oppression from the mother country, Britain, taxing us, oppressing us. So we were declaring freedom from sin, freedom from the oppression, which is sin. And we've lost that. We've lost that focus. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Yeshua Messiah, our master. And so we've got to go back, ladies and gentlemen. This whole Bible study today is about going back and helping us to understand that we must be free from sin. We shouldn't be free to do whatever we want. We should be free from sin, because if we are free from sin, then we'll be free from the curses of sin, which unfortunately this country is being cursed because of sin, and will continue to be cursed until we repent. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 22, states the following. For he that is called in the master, being a servant, is the master's freeman. Likewise, also, he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. Okay, so we are, we are his servants, and we are like being free. We're free to obey his commandments, and we're also free from the curses that not obeying the commandments will incur. All right, so... That's the biblical definition of being at liberty and being free, not what the society teaches us, that you can do whatever you want. And that's true. You can do whatever you want, but you're going to have to face the consequences. And there's no guarantee you're going to be able to have eternal life doing what you want. You've got to make sure that whatever you do falls in line with God's commandments, not your own or the devil's. First Peter chapter 2, verse 16 says, as free and not using your liberty, as many do today, unfortunately, for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. You truly are not a servant of God, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't understand, you need to obey all his commandments. I know some people have not been taught this, so you'll have mercy. But once, if you're listening to me today for the first time and you've never heard this and you're starting to understand this, then he's going to hold you accountable to what you're learning, ladies and gentlemen. And that Greek word for maliciousness, is, uh, it means um, malice, wickedness, naughtiness, evil, depravity. Okay, so that's what it means, or depravity. So you don't want to be that way, ladies and gentlemen. 
You really don't want to be that way. So, without going into a long history of this great country, I just want to point out some facts. Uh, this is from the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica under the article, The United States. It says, the United States is the world's greatest economic power measured in terms of gross domestic product. That's individual income for each person. The nation's wealth is partially a reflection of its rich natural resource and its enormous agricultural output, but it owes more to the country's highly developed industry, despite its relative economic uh, self-sufficiency in many areas. The United States is the most important single factor in world trade by virtue of the sheer size of its economy. Its exports, exports are what you... Uh, sent out of the country, and imports is what you buy from other countries. So its exports and imports represents major proportions of the world total. The United States also impinges on the global economy as a source of and as a destination for investment capital. The country continues to sustain an economic life that is more diversified than any other on earth, providing the majority of its people with one of the world's highest standards of living. The United States still offers its residents opportunities for unparalleled personal advancement and wealth. That is so true. In this country, you can become an entrepreneur if you are willing to work hard to become one. However, the depletion of its resources, the contamination of its environment, I, I want to highlight this. However, 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 the depletion of its resources, the contamination of its environment, and the continuing social and economic inequality that perpetuates Areas of poverty and blight all threaten the fabric of the country. And so you may have not heard that before like that, but this is from a credible source, the, the Encyclopedia Britannica. And it states that uh, we are going through uh, poverty that is significant. Uh, contamination of its environment, which certainly involves all this latest uh, gay stuff and transgender stuff. And, and so that's, that's, as you're going to find out today, that is certainly affecting the environment and a depletion of his resources. So these are the curses that are happening to our country. So, first of all, I want to tell you that in God's plan, America, the majority of us, uh, will have an opportunity uh, for salvation. So that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the positive thing. Let me go to Deuteronomy chapter 4. I want to tell you the good news before I tell you the bad news. But I'm going to have to tell you the bad news. I may go over on this program, too. But I gotta get this message out while I still can, you know, because there's forces at work that don't would not and they're not gonna like what I'm saying, because it's the truth. But uh, you know, through the radio, uh, I can get this message out, and so take advantage of this and pass this message on to people, uh, because things are gonna get a lot worse before they get any better, ladies and gentlemen, unless we collectively as a nation repent things are really serious it's so serious that i usually would not do a program today but it's so serious that i i really uh have been moved to do a program uh, deuteronomy 4 verse 26 i call heaven and earth to witness against you this day this is god talking here that you shall soon utterly perish from off the land where if you go over to jordan i was talking about our ancestors back then but this is prophetic uh, as you'll see here in a minute. To possess it, you shall not prolong your days upon it, but you shall be utterly destroyed. And the master shall scatter you among the nations, which he did. And you shall be left few in number among the heathen, where the Lord shall lead you. And there you shall serve God. And this happened, but it's going to happen again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, prophecy is dual. A lot of times it's dual. 
the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But if from hence you shall, thou shalt seek the master, thy God, you shall find him. You shall seek him of all thy heart and all thy soul. So it can't be a casual thing. When you seek him, you want to seek to change. You, you realize that you've done wrong, and you want to do things his way. And God can tell whether or not you're serious or not. And he says that if you are, then he will acknowledge it. 30. Now, this is a prophecy in Deuteronomy chapter 4. When you are in tribulation, tribulation is how adults get spanked, okay? And all these things are come upon thee in the latter days. And this is certainly talking about the days of the 21st century. If thou turn to the master, thy God, and shall be obedient to his voice. We have to be obedient to his voice. That's how you do uh, turn or do teshuba in Hebrew. It means to repent. Verse 31, for the master, thy God, is a merciful God. That's why I call my ministry the merciful servants of God. For thy God, for thy master, thy God, is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swore unto them. All right? So, he he's going to be merciful to us, ladies and gentlemen. He particularly does not want to punish us. <laughs> he doesn't want us to go through any pain, but for us to eliminate that, ladies and gentlemen, we have to stop sinning. We have to stop sinning collectively. And we have to know who we are. Um, some people that have been against what I teach and your Davidi teach and others, and say, well, Israel never lost their identity. Well, yes, they have. In the 21st century, they have, because... No one seems to understand hardly in this country that we are a part of Israel. And I'm going to prove that to you through the scriptures in the simplest way that I can. If, if some of you that are listening to me are professor level and you want all kinds of proof, fine. Go, go to the proof. I have the, the uh, link on uh, the description of this program. Just click on the link, www.britam.org. It gives you all the proof you need uh, in the biblical proof, outside of Bible proof, uh, proof from Jewish writings, all the proof you need to prove this. It's, it's so, so much proof, it's not even funny. Okay, so if you want proof, I can give it to you. But here's the key. You're going to have to learn how to accept the proof, as I have and others. Isaiah chapter 1. Now, this is something that's so important to God. We, these, this is one of the characteristics of the end times that we must understand. Because if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand the prophecies of the Bible. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2. Hear, Shema, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Master has spoken. For the Master has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. So that's the first thing he says about, if you're trying to figure out who Israel, these are a rebellious bunch of people. These, these people do not, as a whole, want to obey God. If you don't believe me, study the book of Numbers in Deuteronomy. Okay, we have a history of rebelling against Abba, our Father in heaven. Verse 3, the ox knows his owner and he adds his master's crib, but Israel does not know my people do not consider. And so that word know is yada in Hebrew. And they don't know. They don't recognize. They don't uh, acknowledge. They're not aware. Well, that's what it means in the Hebrew. And it do not consider. That Hebrew word is ben. And it means separate. They don't consider. They don't understand. To separate mentally. They, 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 uh, they don't uh, have understanding. They can't discern. They don't even have intelligence about who they are. That's what this is. Verse 4. 
Ah, sinful nation. And it's interesting it says sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity. Now, when it says nation, it's talking about all 12 tribes, but it also can talk about a single most powerful nation in the world, like America. A people laden with iniquity. A seed of evildoers. Children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the master. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger. They are gone away backward. Verse 5. Why should you be stricken anymore? Will you revolt more and more? The whole head was talking about our government. This is God talking about it. I'm not saying it. I'm just reading what he's saying here. The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even into the head, there is no soundness in it. Wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been clothed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment, which shows us that we shouldn't be using all this pharmacy that we're using. This pharmacia, we should be using essential oils and herbs, according to the Bible, to help us heal. That's another Bible study, verse 7. Now, unfortunately, this is going to lead to what this verse says. Your country will be desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land, strangers devouring your presence, and it's desolate, it's overthrown by strangers. And so that's, unfortunately, what's going to happen uh, if this nation does, re- does not repent, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this, we're headed toward catastrophe and you know i've got to preach this message if nobody wants to preach it uh that's fine i'm gonna have to preach it verse eight and the daughter of zion is left as a cottage in the vineyard as a lodge in the garden of cucumbers as a besieged city except the master of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant we should have been as sodom and we should have been like gomorrah verse 10 here the word in other words not everybody's going to be wiped out but it's going to be some people that's going to be able to escape this destruction. That's what he's saying. Verse 10. Hear the word of the master, you rulers of Sodom. That's what he calls us right now. Give ear unto the, the Torah of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Verse 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, says the master? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. Verse 12, when you come to appear before me, who has required this at your hand to thread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations, incense is an abomination to me. And so we do have people in the Hebrew movement and, and other movements uh, similar to ours that they do observe the new moons and the Sabbaths, the calling of the assemblies. And he says he can't stand it because their heart is not right. God doesn't care about you assembling. He doesn't care about you keeping the new moon. And the Sabbath is if you don't care about people. And if you don't care about the people you're fellowshipping with, he doesn't care. He says, I cannot away with, it is iniquity, even a solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Yes, it's possible for God to ignore you. Your hands are full of blood. Yes, in this country, our hands are full of blood, aren't we? We commit 3,000 abortions every day, don't we? And you think God doesn't recognize that, right? Verse 16, wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Verse 17, learn to do well. Seek judgment, relieve the oppressed. Again, we oppress people in this country. The whole world is oppressed, basically. We are living in that generation, and Proverbs chapter 30 uh, tells us. Hold, hold your place here in Isaiah 1, verse 17. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30, and uh, let's read a scripture here that talks about a particular generation. 
Verse 14, there is a generation whose teeth are as sores and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the face of the earth and the needy from among men. Eighty percent of the population of the world lives less than, uh, actually I think it's less than uh, $10 a day. Let me uh, verify that. But it's just it's just horrible of the oppression that uh, we uh, experience in the world right now, ladies and gentlemen. It's just uh and it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse before it gets any better, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I, I, I got to talk about it. I know it's not something that people uh, want to embrace, but you're going to have to accept the reality of the world we live in, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to probably the best website on the planet Earth in reference to um, poverty facts. It's called globalissues.org. And if you go to the poverty facts and stats section of globalissues.org, it states a, a sad statistic that proves the prophecy uh, that I just read to you being fulfilled. It says almost half the world, over 3 billion people, live on less than $2.50 a day. So almost people in the world, over 3 billion people, it's probably 4 billion now, live on less than $2.50 a day. At least 80% of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. More than 80% of the world's population lives in countries where income differentials are widening. The poorest 40% of the world's population accounts for 5% of global income. The richest 20% accounts for three-fourths or 75% of world income. If that's not oppression, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what is. And this is from facts. You can get these facts over the Internet. And so we do live in that society when the poor is devoured off the face of the earth. So let's get back into identifying who uh, Israel is, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to simplify this as much as I can. Uh, Israel, we are a people that are rebellious, uh, very rebellious, and and we don't care about uh, taking care of of our own, the poor, like we should. All right, so uh, what are the other characteristics of Israel? So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. So I'm trying to prove this the easy way. <laughs> Verse 1. Okay, so just like in Isaiah, he says the same thing again. And, and if you look at the, 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 the bottom of or the, uh, the ending of Deuteronomy chapter 31, you would know that this is a prophecy. This, this song that he gave Moses is a prophecy about all the tribes of Israel. Uh, Verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 32, Give ear, O you heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. So this is a very important thing that he's saying here, so we need to listen up. Verse 2, My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass, because I will publish the name of the Master, ascribe you greatness unto our God. He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. So, again, if you're worshiping the right God, he's a God of truth. He's a God of Torah. He's not going to tell you not to keep it. Verse 5, they have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. So he calls us a perverse and crooked generation. Verse 6, do you thus requite the Lord, O foolish people? He calls us foolish and unwise. Not he, thy father, have brought thee. Is not he thy father that brought thee? Has he not made thee and established thee? Verse 7, remember the days of old, 
And you have the youth to say, oh, we don't want to remember the days of old. Well, God tells you, you remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee. And so we should be, the youth should be continually asking their father about things and learning from their fathers. Ask thy father, and he will show thee. Thy elders, and they will tell thee. And so you don't run away from your parents. I mean, no matter if you're an adult or you're not an adult, if your father and mother's alive and your brains are still functional, you should seek wisdom and knowledge from them. Consistently, verse 8, when the Most High divided to the nation their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, or Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. The Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. So the 12 tribes are really should be the rulers of the world, ladies and gentlemen. That gives you another clue. They're the rulers and an example of how the world should go. Verse 10, he found him in a desert land and in a waste, howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Verse 11, as an eagle stir up her nest, if you look at the United States coat of arms, it has an eagle on it. Flood of over her young, spread of abroad her wings, take of them, and the wings are spread on the, on the coat of arms, right? Bear them on her wings. Verse 12, so the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Verse 13, he made him ride on the high places of the earth. I just read to you of the, of the prosperity of our country, that he might eat the increase of the fields, and he might, and we have great agricultural resources. He made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. We have good oil reserves. Verse 14, butter of kind and milk of sheep with fat of, we got it all, fat of lambs and rams to breed of Pashan and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat, and thou didst drink the pure blood of the grapes. So I want you to notice this, and I'm not, I'm not making fun of fat people, but God says what he's saying here, okay? He knows our people. So we have access to his words. We're very rebellious people. Uh, we have tremendous resources of agriculture. Verse 15, and here's another common characteristic of our people, unfortunately. But Jezreel waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxed fat, thou art grown thick. Thou art covered with fatness. And so this means exactly what it means. Our people have a tendency to be overweight. If you don't believe me, go take a walk in the park and count hunting people overweight. All right? God, God he knows us. He, he knows how we are. All right? But Jezreel, wax fat and kick. Thou art waxing fat. Thou art grown thick. Thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God that made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoke him to jealousy with strange gods with abominations provoke they him to anger. They sacrifice in the devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up from your father's fear not. Of the rock that begot thou are unmindful, and you have forgotten God that formed thee. We have forgotten God. We used to love the Bible. We don't like it now. We don't hardly read it. We think it's boring. We think God is boring. Verse 19, And when the master saw, he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters, and he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be. And this is a prophecy of the future, ladies and gentlemen. For they are a very forward generation, children in whom there is no faith. Faith must have works. And in these Christian churches, they teach us that you don't have to do anything. Just, you know, Jesus kept the law so you don't have to. That's not any faith. Verse 21, they have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities. And I will move them to jealousy, which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. In other words, he will go and seek other people outside the tribes to become part of the commonwealth of Israel, which he has and continues to do so. Verse 22, for a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn into the lowest hell and shall consume the earth with her increase and set a fire the foundations of the mountains. So he's talking about 
in the future. And it's not just nuclear bombs. It'll be other things that will cause this to occur. And the earth will be burned and few men left, as it says in Isaiah chapter 24. Deuteronomy 32, verse 23. I will heat mishes upon them. I will spend my arrows upon them. There's 24. They shall be burnt with hunger and devoured with burning heat and with bitter destruction. I will also send the teeth of beasts upon them with the poison of serpents of the dust. So anyway, this is this is what he feels, ladies and gentlemen, about our people. All right? He says in verse 28, for they are a nation void of counsel. They don't want to be told what to do. I even even among the movement that I'm in, I, I when I counsel people, they don't want to be told what to do. Don't tell me. Neither is there any understanding. He says the majority of people don't even have any understanding. Verse 20, oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. This is a prophecy again. It's a prophecy. And then he says this about our people. In verse 32, for their vine is of the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Deuteronomy 32, verse 33, their wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asp, like a snake. Is not this laid up in store with me and sealed among my treasures? And so he, he tells us that our people are just despicable. We, we, and then, you know, some people shake their head, oh, there's still some good left, there's still some good, yeah, some good left. It's not that much, though. It's not that much. So let's understand, ladies and gentlemen, and this program will go over <laughs> at least 30 minutes, so that's just the way it is, but I got to get this out. Because like I said, I don't know how long I'll be allowed to do this. Because I know this is dangerous, what I'm doing. This is some dangerous knowledge, all right? And um, the truth is dangerous knowledge. But, you know, I have to do what I have to do. And I have to tell people the truth about America. And the fact that America is one of the tribes of Israel uh, is undeniable when you do your research. Uh, there's no other nation that has all these characteristics that I'm mentioning. And not only... The United States, but the British Commonwealth of Nations, the countries of Northwestern Europe, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, uh, they are all a part of Israel. France, they're all a part of Israel, ladies and gentlemen. And if you go to that website, I don't have the time to go into detail about this, but if you go to that website, uh, it will reveal all these things to you biblically and also if you need more facts outside of the Bible as well. All right, so let's understand what the sins of Sodom are, ladies and gentlemen. Let's understand that. And don't worry, uh, this program will be in the archives. So once I get done, which I'm estimating probably at 930, uh, I'm going to go off the air in about 10 minutes. But after that, uh, be patient. Uh, it should be done at 930, and then you can access it in the archives. But, you know, when God leads me to do things, sometimes I don't know where I'm going. You know, and he inspires me to, to talk about things. And I have a script, but it's only as a guide, and I talk, you know, based on what he inspires me to talk about. But this is a very important message, and, and I want you to understand that this is a true message. And this is coming from one of his true servants. I'm not trying to deceive you, and I'm trying to explain things to you in a simple way uh, so that you can understand this, so you can share this program with other people and prepare them for what's going to happen if this country uh, does not collectively repent of the wickedness and abomination that is occurring as I'm speaking. But anyway, Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16, starting in verse 49. States the following. Behold, if, if you're wondering what the sins of Sodom are, behold, this was the iniquity of my sister Sodom. Pride, we certainly have American pride, don't we? Fullness of bread, we have too much. I mean, we, we have a lot 
I, I know me and my wife, we used to, to go and get food from the food bank. They have tons of food to feed everybody in this country. Nobody should be starving in this country, and yet we have almost close to 50 million people, according to uh, Feeding America. Uh, they they are uh, starving, unfortunately. Uh, we have fullness of bread and abundance of idleness. Yes, we have uh, laziness uh, is, is really strong in this country. Uh, you have quite a few people that don't want to do go the extra mile. They only want to do what they need to do and, and so forth. Uh, and you have people that want to start businesses, but yet they don't want to put the work into it. They don't, they're afraid to, to contact people, and yet they want to run a business. Uh, so there, there, there's a lot of idleness, not to say that every American is idle, but there's a good bunch of it, okay? Uh, and, and people don't want to do hard labor work. Uh, they, they want everything to be push-button. And so that's what God is talking about here, uh, the abundance of idleness was in her, was in her, uh, and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor, neither. We are certainly guilty of that. We have the most billionaires in the world, and yet we have people still starving in this country. Now, of course, if people don't want to work, they shouldn't eat. But there's there's a book written about uh, the uh, the working poor, and you have quite a few people that got two or three or four jobs, and they still can't feed their family. And so that that's, that's horrible. And then verse 50, and they were haughty, and committed abomination before me, therefore I took them away as I saw. All right? And so that is, the, that is, you tell me that America does not have a pride problem. You tell me that we don't have a fullness of bread. We have, have it all. We have an abundance of idleness. People don't want to work hard. Um, they only want to do whatever they need to do, and they can go home. They can just sit at their jobs and, and just work, sit at their desk, and then go home. They, they don't want to do anything extra. They don't want to... Uh, Study. They don't want to go back to school and study and improve themselves. They don't want to do those things. I'm not saying every American, but a good bunch of them. All right? God knows what he's talking about here. And, of course, uh, we I saw one video about this, this one uh, youth. He didn't have a coat, and several people walked by him. The only person that helped him was somebody that was poor himself. <laughs> that, was, that was the... Uh, one of the most uh, sad things that I've ever experienced that I saw. But that's the way a lot of people in this country act, ladies and gentlemen. Now, to add on to this, to help you identify who we are, I think that should be enough already. Who are the people in the world that have the best resources, have access, they're rebellious people and rebel against his words and have access to his words, uh, who have the best agriculture in the world, who are the richest territories in the world and are obese people they're overweight or they're they're overweight and they're obese people 6 out of 10 I think it's over 60% now of our people are overweight it's certainly talking about the western nations ladies and gentlemen it could not be any other people that's the simplest way of understanding but if you want more detail go to www.britam.org alright so let's go over the additional sins of America and the Western nations. Uh, we, uh, in this country in particular, we had the recent acceptance of gay marriage in society. Gay marriage, what it does is contribute to destroying the image of God. Human beings are made in the image of God, which is made up of a man and a woman. And this is found, I, I know I heard one teacher saying that we're not made in the image of God. That is a grievous error. Uh, we are made in the image of God, and 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7 proves that. It states plainly 
have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I have preached to you um, the gospel of God freely. All right, and I'm looking for the scripture, and I thought that I copied it correctly. Um, and this scripture proves that uh, we are certainly uh, in the image of God. I'm trying to find it here. Uh, let me uh, do some research here and find it. <laughs> But there's another scripture too, James 3, verse 9. Let's go to that. James 3, verse 5. James 3, verse 5. James 3, verse 9, rather. James 3, verse 9. It says, Therefore, bless we God, even the Father, and therefore curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. And that certainly, uh, okay, this 1 Corinthians 11, verse 7. Uh, the similitude of God, and then that word in the Greek means uh, the resemblance. All right? And some people may argue, well, that's not to say what well, this one does. And 1 Corinthians 11, verse 7 says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and the glory of God. Okay? So we are made in his likeness. Even though that image has been corrupted, we are still made in the image of God. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 7. All right, so just want to clarify that because I heard something that was I have to just admit it was a surprise to me. Anyway, a man marrying a man and a woman marrying a woman is not the image of God. Plus, how can children of gay parents obey the fifth commandment? The fifth commandment uh, simply states, honor thy father and thy mother. If you have two fathers and two mothers, how can that commandment be obeyed? Is it totally impossible? And you see how this is contributing to the destruction of a society, in particular American and Western society. We are allowing transgenders, these are people who were born originally male or female, and they, through surgery or whatever, on unnatural means, they change their sexuality. Uh, that is not biblically a right thing to do. And we, we know that, um, or common sense-wise, it's not a, a good thing to do. And, you know, our president wrote letters to these public schools stating the fact or highly suggesting and influencing them to allow transgenders to choose a bathroom of their choice based on their, their uh, acquired sexual preference. Um, the, the rise of a matriarchal society, that's a, a society ruled by women, um, that is happening as I'm speaking, ladies and gentlemen, and the Bible certainly says that that is not good for women to, uh, to rise in leadership positions as it is happening as I'm speaking. Hillary Clinton could possibly be the next president of the United States. And so uh, we know you had a situation at Deborah, but if you analyze that situation, she was risen up because there were no men. And she correctly stated in Joshua, not Joshua, but the Judges chapter 5, that she was a mother to Israel, so she knew her place. I don't think Hillary knows her place, so she, she's stating <laughs> that she wants to break the glass ceiling. So that, that doesn't sound to me like she looks at herself as a mother to this great nation. So... Um, that's the kind of sentiment that is going on right now, not just in this country, but around the world. Uh, we have a woman that leads the Federal Reserve Bank. We have a woman that leads the International Monetary Fund. We just recently uh, elected uh, a woman mayor of Rome, uh, and we have a, a woman that is the president of Germany. Uh, of course, we've already had a woman that was a prime minister of Britain. Uh, we've had a woman that was a prime minister of Israel. Uh, so matriarchal society is, is strong, ladies and gentlemen, and, and, and we are getting really, really to the point now of fulfilling this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12. 
And I'm going to be on the air until uh, 9.30, maybe more than that. But uh, you can listen to the entirety of this program in the archives as I go off the air. Okay? And uh, may God bless and keep you, and uh, I'll hopefully see you next week with another program. All right. And so let's continue on with the program here. Uh, Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12 states, As for my people, children are their oppressors. Okay, so again, I want to focus on the word oppression. We are being oppressed in this country. And women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy paths. And this is a prophecy that's being fulfilled. As I'm speaking, there's too many women in positions that men should be in, ladies and gentlemen. I know from personal experience what I've experienced in the workplace over the years. Uh, When I was teaching in the public school system, there were more women teachers than men. That should not be the case, ladies and gentlemen. When men are the leaders of society, if you don't believe me, read the book of Numbers. Read the book of Deuteronomy. Okay, men are the leaders. Fathers and sons are the leaders. Mothers and daughters are the followers, even though they lead too, but they lead the women. They don't lead the men. Uh, Mothers, in exceptional cases, uh, can lead their children, including sons. But a, a it's not a woman's place to be a governor, to be a president, uh, to, to be an elder or minister in a church. I mean, that, that's just not a woman's place. Uh, the Bible is pretty plain about that. And you can persecute me all you, know, you want. What I suggest you do is read your Bible and be enlightened and amazed at how God has stressed several times that men and are leaders in society and in assemblies. So that, that is uh, so easy to prove out of the Bible. So anyway, I don't want to go into that, but let's continue on. And so you got to remember this. Remember, God judges us based on our social behavior. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus chapter 26, and I just want you to notice something here. Verse 15, verse 14. But if you will not hearken unto me and will not do all these commandments, Well, actually, let me go to verse 13, Leviticus 26, verse 13. I, the Lord your Yah, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their bondmen, and I have broken the bands of your yoke, and may you go upright. Verse 14, but if you will not hearken unto me, and will not do all these commandments. If you don't do all these commandments. So part of the bargain of, of him freeing us from oppression, freeing us from working too hard, harder than what we should, okay, is we need to obey him, okay? He doesn't want us to to be in a state of Egypt. We're working so hard that you don't get a chance to rest. But if you will not hearken to me and will do all these commandments and will not do all these commandments, verse 15, if you shall despise my statutes or if you so abhor my judgment so that you will not do all my commandments, but you break my covenant, verse 16, I also will do this unto you. I will... Even appoint over you terror and consumption and the burning og that shall consume the eyes. So that shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart, and you shall sow your seed in vain. In other words, agriculture will be in vain. For your enemies shall eat it. And that's what's happening right now. We have China coming over here, investing in our real estate, and we have other countries coming over here and, and, and sucking up our resources, as, as, I, as I explained to you based on that quote on the Encyclopedia Britannica, verse 17, And I will set my face against you, and you shall be slain before your enemies, that they hate 
The day that hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when none pursues you. And if you will not yet for all this hearken as me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass. In other words, agriculture will go down. And your strength shall be spent in vain, and your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield her fruits. But if you walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. I will send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children and destroy your cattle and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. And if you will not be reformed by me these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then I also walk contrary unto you and will punish you yet seven times more for your sins. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant or agreement that he made with us. And when you are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. Verse 26, And when I have broken the staff of your bread, that means the ability to take care of yourself, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver your bread again by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. So he's predicting economic problems, which we've had before in this country, but we're going to have some real terrific economic problems in the future. And if you will not for all this hearken to me, but walk contrary, then I will walk contrary to you. Also in fury, I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. So I just want to read the rest of it because it's not pleasant. But yeah, I think you get, you understand what I'm saying is that if we collectively as a nation don't repent, then he's going to punish us more and more and more. Isaiah 5, verse 20, and this is a, a now prophecy for this country. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's in Isaiah 5, verse 20. And then you have probably people today with this attitude, the, where is the God of judgment? I'm going to tell you where the God of judgment is just by reading the scripture, Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2, starting in verse 16. For the master, the, the Yah of Israel, says he hates putting away or divorce, for covering violence with his garment. So he hates that, but he does allow it. Verse 17, you have wearied the master with your words, Malachi 2, verse 17. Yet you say, wherein have we wearied you? When you say, everyone that does evil is good in the sight. This, this wearies him, and he delights in them. Where is the God of judgment? All right, so you're going to get smart with God, God's going to get smart with you. Verse 1 of Malachi chapter 4, for behold, the day cometh, Oh, wait a minute. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And just like there was a Eliyahu or Elijah in the first century, there will be an Elijah more than likely in the 21st century that will come before the coming of the Messiah. And th here's the interesting thing. All these social problems where we, we're calling uh, evil good and good evil, That the good news is that we know the time of his coming is near. Most people don't understand this one fact. God judges based on our behavior, how we act. So we need to take a look at events, and those events are associated with our behavior and how we act. But anyway, uh, and our behavior is so bad. Matter of, matter of fact, God gave, he did us a favor to help us to understand that we are in the, 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 the end of or the latter time of the last days. We're at the, almost at the close of the last days. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, this know also that in the last days. So he gave us character traits or behavior traits of people in the 21st century here. He said, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, 
In other words, extremely selfish. Covets. Covetous. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemous. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Without natural affection. Truth breakers. False accusers. Let me read this in another version that is easier. The Bible and basic English version. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, uplifted in pride, given to bitter words, going against the authority of their fathers, never giving praise, having no religion, without natural love, bitter haters, saying evil of others, violent and uncontrolled, hating all good. Sounds like America to me. Sounds like this world to me. False to their friends, acting without thought, lifted up in mind, loving pleasure more than God. This has all got the, <laughs> the sins of sodomy all in it. Having a form of religion, but turning their backs on the power of it. Go not with these. So we're not supposed to associate with anybody like this, whether they're in our churches or assemblies or outside of them. And these are the people that, in verse 7, have this trait. They're ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of what is true. And so I've had people say, oh, I've studied the Bible every day. Well, and then they tell me certain things that aren't true. And so that's because you study the Bible at length doesn't mean you understand what it's saying. All right, so let's turn back to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. And I really hope you share this program with other people. Uh, Malachi 3 verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the master whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, says the master of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appear? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. That they may, That's the good news. He's going to purify us that they may offer unto the master an offering in righteousness. Then shall he, the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the master as in the days of old, as in the former years. And verse 5, And I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be swift witness against the sorcerers. And against the other, and that can be people that in the pharmaceutical uh, that's killing people with medicine. Not all medicine kill you, but a lot of it does. And against the adulterers and against false swears and against those, here we go, get the oppression again. Against those that oppress the hireling in his wages and the widow and the fatherless and that turn aside the stranger from his right and fear not me, says the Lord of hosts. In verse 6, I thank God he's like this, for I am the master. I change not, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. And we are certainly the sons of Jacob, ladies and gentlemen. The sons of Jacob are all the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, when you look at uh, the prophecy in Genesis chapter 49, it tells you the following. It tells you, and Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourself together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourself together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. And so this is a prophecy of all these tribes in the end time. And I'm going to refer to this excellent book by Yerod Davidi about the tribes uh, to tell you basically who we are and in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 33, verse 13, and it says, And of Joseph he said, Blessed of, of the Lord be his land for the precious things of heaven, for the dew, for the deep that crouched beneath. I already read you that we had the precious things from the Encyclopedia Britannica quotes. And for the precious fruits and for the chief things of the ancient mountains of the everlasting hills of the earth and fullness thereof, the good will of him that dwell in the bush, his glory is like the first thing of his bull. If you look at the... Uh, the uh, British coat of arms, it has a unicorn. Of course, they 
they were inspired to do it based on the King James version of the Bible, or I understand the arguments about unicorn, but but it's it's pretty interesting that the coat of arms of the British coat of arms has the, what they envisioned what a unicorn would look like. All right, and his horns like the horn of a unicorn with them, he shall push the people together into the ends of the earth. They are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. And this and other blessings, Joseph was promised agricultural bounty, mineral resources on page 448 of one of the greatest books ever written, Yardaviti, the tribes. Uh, and this and the other blessing, Joseph was promised agricultural bounty, mineral resources, favorable climate. He was associated with a people being pushed together into the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth, when considered from the land of Israel, means the continents of America and Australia and the geographical extremities of South Africa and Northwest Europe. The very name of England uh, can be understood as meaning the corner of the land, Anglo land or the end of the earth. The prophet Isaiah appears several times to have located the lost tribes of Israel in the ends of the earth. But thou Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend, whom I have strengthened, taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief parts thereof. This blessing, mentioning both ends of the earth and chief of most noble parts, is reflected in Irish tradition. The Irish Annals of the Four Masters says that during the time of the Bartholians, the Medians, and Fomorians, and the Firbog, whom they also studied with the inhabitants of Britain, one of the names given to Ireland was land at the limit of the world. Another name was Noble Island. All right, so, and here's another scripture, Isaiah 43, verse 6. A similar reference to the world's ends is found in another passage. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. And he has a nice picture here, uh, the Israelite nations of the ends of the earth. Of course, it shows North America, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, so definitely we are located uh, at the ends of the earth. And so that's further proof, ladies and gentlemen. You need to study this more uh, than what I've been doing. But I'll just give you a little preview, and you need to do some research. But Ephraim is Britain today, and also Ephraim in the Bible can refer to all the the, the ten tribes, the ten lost tribes of Israel, which they shouldn't be coming lost to you now. Manasseh is the United States. Reuben is France. Simeon is uh, they're scattered, and they are part of Wales and and uh, Ireland. Levi or Levi are scattered with the Jews. Yehuda or the Jews or the Jews of Judah. Issachar are the, the Swiss people and the, and the people of Finland. Zebulun are the Netherlands. Gad is Sweden. Asher, Ireland. Benjamin are with the Jews. Dan is with uh, Denmark and the Celts. And Natali are Norway or the Norwegians. All right, so that reveals to you who the tribes are based on Genesis chapter 49. It gives you specific detail on how to identify them. Your Davidi is the world's renowned expert on identifying who the tribes are. So I, I refer you to his website to get more information if you still don't believe what I just said. Okay, But uh, I'm doing the best I can uh, in this short Bible study to explain to you who Israel is because you need to know who that is, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and then I read to you Malachi chapter 3. Let's go back there. Malachi chapter 3. Okay. All right. So we know that Jacob will be uh, not totally destroyed based on what he said. Now, um, in the program here, I have another scripture. And it states here in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 5 to 10. O house of Jacob, now house of Jacob are all the twelve tribes of Israel. You understand that now, right? 
the Western nations and a little a land in, in, that's called Israel, which has a majority seven million Jews. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the master. Therefore thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because they be replenished from the east and are soothsayers like the Philistines, and they please themselves in the children of strangers. That is so true. Their land also is full of silver and gold. Isn't America and the Western nations full of silver and gold? Yes. You have the Dow Jones Industrial. You have all kinds of trade there in New York. Uh, New York has a seaport. Uh, we had the United Nations there. Neither is there any end of their treasures, and that's true. We we have a treasury department that pumps out uh, money out of thin air. Their land is also full of horses and military armaments. Neither is there any end of their chariots. Their land also is full of idols. We have all kinds of idols. We have our stars that we idolize in this country. We have our basketball stars. We have our music stars. We have all kinds of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made, and the mean man bow down and the great man humble himself therefore forgive them not enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for the fear of the master and for the glory of his majesty and again to find out more about who the 12 tribes of israel are in the 21st century click the following link on on my program if you're right there britam.org or if you are by your pc and if you if you're not uh, viewing the program on your desktop go to www.britam.org um well, actually, if you are viewing it on the desktop, you can do that as well. You can do that also on your smartphone as well. But I, I guarantee you that you won't be disappointed going to this, and you have to clear out all false information that you've learned and be open-minded to learning, unlearning error, ladies and gentlemen. That's the only way you're going to come to the ultimate truth of the Bible, and that's the only way you're really going to understand what I'm telling you. Now, the result of society embracing Sexual abominations is found in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22 to 30. Let's go there. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22 to 30. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself thereof. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereof. It is confusion. Defile ye not yourselves in any of these things. So anyone that's listening to me has an issue of gayness or being transgender or thinking about having sex with animals or any other of these abominations that is listed in Leviticus chapter 18. He says that plainly that you will defile yourself uh, when you do these things. Defile ye not yourself any, because if these things were good, then why is he saying you, you're defiling yourself? For in all these the nations are defiled which I cast out before you, and the land is defiled. And so that land, that word land can also mean the world. And so the entire planet can be defiled if people are doing this. All right? And he states here, and the land is defiled, therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it. And the land is self vomit out of her inhabitants. And I've talked this over with my wife. It's just talking about earthquakes. You know, it says that the land itself will vomit out her inhabitants, like spit them out. Verse 26 You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgment, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourn among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done, which were before you, and the land is defiled. It's in a state of decay. That the land spew you now also, so something's going to happen where the land spews them out, when you defile it as it spewed out the nations that were before you. And that's where this country's headed, ladies and gentlemen. I must warn you that we continue on accepting all this stuff. They are going to be spat out. There's going to ha- something's going to happen where those people are going to be spat out. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from among the people. Verse 30, Therefore shall you keep my ordinance, 
that you commit not any of these abominable customs, which homosexuality and bestiality is included in it, which were committed before you, and that you defile not yourselves therein. For I am the master. I am the master. Uh, defile can also mean you make yourself unclean. You make yourself unclean. Now, here's the question that I need to ask you, and I want you to think hard about this. If God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of the sins revealed in Ezekiel 16, verse 49 and 50, then what do you think will happen to any nation, and I mean any nation, that continues to sin like Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, we have a scripture in 2 Peter 2, verse 6 to 8 in the King James Version. It says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly and deliver just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. We should be vexed. If you're truly righteous, you should not like what's going on right now. I, I feel like lot right now. My wife feels like lot. My son, I mean, we, we, we just, it's filthy what's going on right now. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vex his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And that's the way I feel, and that's the way you should be feeling if you truly are a righteous person that have the Spirit of God in you or working with you. We must, as a nation, start reading, studying, and we must put into action what we study from the Bible. We must be doing this, ladies and gentlemen. We are not going to get away from any of this until we do. And let me read this from uh, this book here, if I can find it, um, America's God and Country. This is one of the greatest books I think was ever written. And uh, I want to read something from, on page 26, uh, Fisher Ames. Uh, he lived from 1758 to 1808. He was a congressman from Massachusetts in the first session of the Congress of the United States when the Bill of Rights was formulated. It was Fisher Ames who, on August 20, 1789, suggested the wording of the First Amendment, which was adopted by the House. And this is what he suggested. Congress shall make no law establishing religion or to prevent the free exercise thereof or to infringe the rights of conscience. And that's the reason why I'm still able to broadcast, but uh, people hear what I'm saying, especially the elite. They're not going <laughs> to like what I'm saying here. Um, so I'm taking advantage of my right to do this. And so uh, Fisher Ames shared his beliefs concerning education. Should not the Bible regain the place? And this is in the 19th century, ladies and gentlemen, that the Bible was losing its place. And so, of course, the Bible is not allowed to be read. You can't even pray in the schools today. Uh, it's just we have gotten so much away from, from what this country was founded on. Uh, should not the Bible regain the place it once held as a school book? Its morals are pure. Its examples are captivating and noble. The reverence for the sacred book that is thus early impressed lasts long and probably, if not impressed with infancy, never takes firm hold of the mind. If no book is there so good English, in no book is there so good English, so pure and so eloquent, and by teaching all the same they will speak alike, and the Bible will justly remain the standard of language as well as faith. So he, back then the people really respected the Bible. We really don't today. And he says right here, the reverence for the sacred book, the reverence, the reverence for the sacred book that is thus early impressed, lasts long, and probably, if not impressed in emphasis, never takes firm home of the mind. If no book. If no book is there, so good English. So he, he really, really appreciated the Bible, this, this great man, Fisher Ames. And again, he said, The reference for the sacred book that is thus early impressed lasts long, and probably, if not impressed in emphasis, never takes firm hold of the mind. And so I, I, on October 20, 1789, in an article published 
in a Palladium magazine, Fisher Ames stated, we have a dangerous trend, and this is prophetic, because this is what's happening as I'm speaking. We have a dangerous trend beginning to take place in our education. We're starting to put more and more textbooks into our schools. We've become accustomed of late of putting little books into the hands of children containing fables and moral lessons. We are sending less time. We are spending. We are spending less time in the classroom on the Bible, which should be the principal text in our schools. I totally agree, and it's certainly not the principal text of our schools today. I know it was uh, back then, uh, and I think uh, in the 1960s they totally eliminated the Bible out of the classroom. Uh, you can check on that, but I know it's not in the classroom now for sure. We are spending less time in the classroom on the Bible, which should be the principal text in our schools. The Bible states that these great moral lessons better than any other man-made book. The Bible states these great moral lessons better than any other man-made book. Again, I will repeat what he, this great man said. The Bible states these great moral lessons better than any other man-made book. That's the reason why this country is falling, ladies and gentlemen. We may be making money, but that money is going to decay, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't collectively get our act together. Uh, another pre, uh, another great person, um, Ronald Reagan. Let me read on page 528. The 40th president of the United States in 1980 said, The time has come to turn to God to repent, to do Shuva. He didn't say that. I'm saying that. But he said to turn to God and reassert, or reassert our trust in him. For the time has come to turn to God and reassert our trust in him or our faith. For the healing of America. Right now, America needs here. We, we, right now, we have putrefying sores, ladies and gentlemen. Our, our, our leadership is sick. It really is. I respect them, but I have to say the truth. I mean, for them to endorse transgender, uh, the, the, for them to allow homosexual marriage, they are sick, and they need help. You need to pray for them. Uh, our trust in them for the healing of America. Our country is in the need of and ready for a spiritual renewal. And then President Ronald Reagan, October 4, 1982, as authorized and requested by a joint resolution of the 97th Congress of the United States of America, held at the city of Washington, designated 1983 as the National Year of the Bible. The resolution, Public Law 97-280, declared, whereas the Bible, the Word of God, has made a unique contribution in shaping the United States as a distinctive and blessed nation and people, whereas deeply held religious convictions springing from the Holy Scriptures led to the early settlement of our nation. Whereas biblical teachings inspire concepts of civil government that are contained in our Declaration of Independence and Constitution of the United States. Whereas many of our great national leaders, among them Presidents Washington, Jackson, Lincoln, and Wilson, paid tribute to the surpassing influence of the Bible in our country's development, as in the words of President Jackson, that the Bible is the rock on which our republic rests. And we just got through talking about the rock, right? And the fact that we don't rest on that rock right now like we should. And that rock is Christ. Whereas the history of our nation clearly illustrates the value of voluntarily applying the teachings of the scriptures in the lives of individuals, families, and societies. Now, this nation doesn't do that now, but this is what he stated. Whereas the history, the history of our nation clearly illustrates the value of voluntarily applying the teachings of the scriptures in the lives of the individuals, families, and societies. Whereas this nation now faces great challenges, and we do, that will test this nation as it has never been tested before. And whereas that renewing our knowledge of and faith in God through the Holy Scripture can strengthen us as a nation and a people, now therefore be it resolved by the Senate and the House of Representatives of the United States of America and Congress assembled that the President is authorized and requested to designate 1983, and I would say we need to designate 2016 
as a national year of the Bible in recognition of both the formative influence the Bible has been for our nation and our national need to study and apply the teachings of the Holy Scriptures. One of the greatest statements ever made by a president, by a man of great influence, Ronald Reagan. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to get serious here about what's going on in the world and in our nation, and we have to do the following. In Jeremiah chapter 18, and remember, Jeremiah was a prophet to the nation. Jeremiah 18, verse 7, At what instance I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it? If that nation against whom I am pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And so I, I just hope, ladies and gentlemen, that people of influence are listening to this. I hope you pass this program on to people to listen to, ladies and gentlemen, because we are going to go through some tough times if we continue on the current path that we are on. And I must tell you these things. I must tell you these things. I know it's not pleasant. I wish I could say everything's going to be okay, which they will, but I have to tell you that, for things to be okay, we're going to go through tremendous suffering and pain that we don't have to go through if we just repent. I just read you what the prophet Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah stated, and that's really all we need to do, ladies and gentlemen. If we do that, then we're going to be okay. But if we don't do that, then things are going to be so much, unnecessarily, uh, so much unnecessarily hard for us, and God doesn't want us to have to go through that. So, I will be right back. I want you to listen to this very important message, and I'll be right back to close the program. The Master commands us all to give. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. This is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Let the elders who perform the duties of their office well be considered double worthy of honor and of adequate financial support, especially those who labor faithfully in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain, and again the laborer is worthy of his hire. This is found in Deuteronomy 25 verse 4, Luke 10 verse 7, and 1 Timothy 5 verse 17 to 18. Preaching and teaching is hard work. It is a challenge to consistently produce radio programs, produce videos, write articles, and manage an assembly or church. All of my teachings are free. However, I would appreciate it very much if you give to this ministry. God commands us to ask to receive. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 To give to the Merciful Servants of God ministry Then go to www.mercifulservantsofgod.com That's www.mercifulservantsofgod.com And click the yellow donate button May the Master bless you and keep you Okay, for those who have listened to me Please uh, do what you're commanded to do You're supposed to support of those who are speaking the truth, I am certainly speaking the truth. I would be lying to say otherwise. And if you are hearing the truth and understanding and getting something out of this, then God commands that you support us. And so I'm hoping that you do that. And I made it real simple. You just go to www.mercifulservantsofgod. Even if you buy your PC or your smartphone right now, let's go to the website, 
www.mercifulservantsofgod, that's M-E-R-C-I-F-U-L-S-U-R-V-A-N-T-S-O-F-G-O-D.God, servants, mercifulservantsofgod.com. And then once you get to the website, it's real simple. Just click on the yellow Donate button. Again, just click on that yellow Donate button, and it takes you right to the screen, and you can donate uh, what you can. I'm not asking for you to, to cause yourself financial stress. Uh, but, uh, you know, our life, as Romans chapter 12 says, we should be living a life of sacrifice. And so it should hurt a little bit when you give, but not to the point where you're hurting your family, not to the point where you're, you're going, putting yourself in a financial disaster. Romans 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So again, uh, if you have it in your heart to give, and if you want to do what God commands you to do, it's to support toward teachers or ministers of God then go to my website, mercifulservantsofgod.com, and click the yellow Donate button. I would appreciate it very much, and I know that Yah would bless you for doing so. All right, let's summarize what we've talked about today. We have gone through some history uh, about America. We understand why we're celebrating July 4th. We understand it is a, a day that represents freedom, liberty, and it was freedom from oppression. And that was similar to what happened to our ancestors in Egypt. They were free from oppression. But unfortunately, the Liberty Bell, where uh, we signed the, the Declaration of Independence, the document that gave us our freedom for the British colonies back in 1776, we have not done what that Liberty Bell represents. It represents freedom from oppression. And we are still oppressed today. And all the sins that we commit in our country uh, is contributing to that oppression, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the acceptance of gay marriage, the acceptance of transgenders, uh, the, uh, and, and, and it looks like uh, they're going to start talking about, uh, I hope they don't do this, but it looks like uh, it's a great possibility, it's a good possibility anyway, that they'll start addressing the bestiality situation. And there's already that going on right now, I mean, in pornography and everything, but they're going to try to see whether or not uh, it's legal now for, uh, they may do this, I hope not, but it looks like the, it's a possibility anyway. They may even be discussing the possibility of uh, allowing people to marry animals, which is ridiculous. I, I've read a few cases already uh, outside of America, I think, where they have allowed that. And so that is, it's, it's getting sick, ladies and gentlemen. And, and this is a very serious message, and looks like this message is going far longer than I thought, but this is such a serious message that I, I must get this out and, and and I must, uh, why I'm still alive, why I can still function mentally, uh, I, I must do all I can to, to warn you, uh, even though it's prophesied that many of you perhaps won't take me serious until these things occur. But he told the prophet Ezekiel the following, and I'm following the same thing that Ezekiel was told. Ezekiel chapter 3, he states the following, uh, verse uh, Three verse one. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat. I'm not eating, but <laughs> that thou findest, eat this roll and go and speak to the house of Israel. So this is symbolic for me and anyone else. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give unto thee. 
Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. And he said unto me, Son of man, go, get thee into the house of Israel. You understand who that is now. It's those ten tribes, the house of Israel. And then uh, what you need to understand, too, I, I didn't explain this. Uh, there's a house of Israel, and there's a house of Judah. The house of Judah separated from the house of Israel because of Solomon and his sinning. Um, and in uh, 2 Kings chapter 17, it tells you that the house of Israel was removed and Judah remained. And so uh, I don't have time to really go into detail about that, but originally there was just uh, the kingdom of Israel, but the kingdom of Israel split into the house of Judah and you have the house of Israel. And then in Ezekiel chapter 37, there's a prophecy that's going to happen in the end times when the house of Israel and the house of Judah will unite back together again. And so that's in the latter part of uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. But I'll, I'll do a Bible study of that in the future. But anyway, he says to the prophet Ezekiel here, verse 5, For thou art sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely, had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened to thee. But the house of Israel will not hearken to thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For, they are, for all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-headed. All right, so that's what he says uh, about our people. Uh, we we uh, we're just hard headed and we just we just don't want to listen and, and that's the way we are. We've been that way for years and we continue to be so collectively. And we we can't be that way. We can't be that way. And I hope the people that are listening to me realize that and you uh, repent of being hard headed and and you, and you listen. Isaiah chapter three. Let me read this. This is this is going to happen. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1, For behold, the, the master the master of hosts does take away from Jerusalem and from Judah. That means all the tribes are connected to the, the capital city of Israel, which was Jerusalem, and from Judah. The stay of the staff, the whole stay of bread, and the whole stay of water. The mighty man, the man of war, the judge, the prophet, the prudent, the ancient, the captain, the fifty, and the honorable man, and the counselor, and the cunning artificer, and the eloquent orator. And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And that's what's happening right now. Babes are ruling. People that are inexperienced are ruling over us. And the people shall be oppressed. Here we go with the oppression. And everyone by another and everyone by his neighbor, the child shall behave himself proudly against the agent. That's happening. And the base against the honorable. And when a man shall take hold of his brother of the house of his father says, and says, Thou hast clothing, be thou our ruler, and let this room be under thy hand. And that day shall he swear, saying, I will not be a healer, for in my house neither bread nor clothing Make me not a ruler of the people, for Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the master to provoke the eyes of his glory. And in verse 9, the show of their countenance, their face does witness against them, and they declare their sin of Sodom like we're doing right now. And they hide it not, woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. And that's the reason why I can tell you scripturally that evil will come upon us as a nation if we continue to accept all this, all this sodomy. And it's not just sexual, but it's also continuing to... To uh, not care for the poor, continue to be lazy, continue to have pride, continue to just have a lot of things and don't want to share it with people. If you continue along with all those sins, uh, you're going to reward evil unto yourself. Verse 10, say you to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. And so fruit involves doing something. Verse 11, woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given unto him. And then in verse 12, as for my people, children. Are their oppressors and women rule over them? O oh, my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy path. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's not going to be pleasant what's going to happen. 
to us if we don't repent. And I'm just telling you this. And Ezekiel 7, verse 1, I'm going to read this to you, uh, the entire chapter. Moreover, the word of the Master came unto me, saying, Also, Son of Man, thus says the Master, Yah, unto the land of Israel. And this can also refer to the entire planet. An end. An end has come upon the four corners of the land, or the entire world. And this is going to happen in the future. Now is the end come upon thee, and I will send my anger upon thee, and will judge thee according to thy ways, and recompense upon thee all thy abominations. So if there's any doubt that God doesn't punish us, uh, you need to eliminate that now. Verse 4, And my eyes shall not spare thee, neither will I have pity, but I will recompense thy ways upon thee. Thy abominations shall be in the midst of thee, and you shall know that I am the master. Thus says the master, Yah, and evil, and only evil, behold, is come. An end is come. The end is come. It watcheth for thee. Behold, it is come. The morning is coming to thee, O thou that dwells in the land. The time is come. The day of trouble is near, and not the sounding of the mountains. And this is all based on behavior, ladies and gentlemen, how we're acting. Verse 8. Now will I shortly pour out my fury upon thee, and accomplish my anger upon thee, and I will judge thee according to thy ways. And will recompense thee for all thy abominations. And my eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity. I will recompense thee according to thy ways, and thy abominations are in the midst of thee. And you shall know that I, the master, that smiteth. Behold, the day, behold, it is come. The morning is gone. The rod has blossomed. Pride is budded. Violence is risen up into a rod of wickedness. None of them shall remain, nor of their multitude, nor of any of theirs. Neither shall there be wailing for them. The time is come. The day draweth near. Let not the buyer rejoice, not the seller mourn, for wrath is upon all the multitude there. For the seller shall not return to that which is sold, although they were yet alive. For the vision is touching the whole multitude there, which shall not return, neither shall any strengthen himself in the iniquity of his life. They have blown the shofar, the trumpet, even to make all ready, but none go up to the battle. For my wrath is upon all the multitude there. The sword is without the war, in other words, the war making is without the territory, and the pestilence and the famine within. So people that stay in cities will, will die. He that is in the field shall die with the sword, and he that is in the city, famine and pestilence shall devour him. But they that escape of them shall escape and shall be on the mountains like the doves of the valleys and all them mourning, everyone for his iniquity. All hands shall be feeble and all knees shall be weak as water. They shall also gird themselves with sackcloth and horror shall come cover them, and shame shall be upon all their faces and baldness upon all their heads. And they shall cast their silver or their money in the streets, and their gold shall be removed. Their silver and gold shall not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the master. They shall not satisfy their souls, neither fill them. This is talking about the day of the Lord, way future, past the tribulation. But this is where we're all headed, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, We're headed toward a situation where all the money and everything that we have is not going to save us. Okay? It is it is the stomach block of their iniquity. For the beauty of his ornament he set in the majesty, but they made the images of their abominations, of the detestable things thereof. Therefore have I set it far from them. And I will give it into the hands of the strangers for prey, and to the wicked of the earth for spoil, and they shall pollute it. My face also will I turn from them, and they shall pollute it. My secret place for the robbers shall enter into it and defile it. Make a chain, for the land is full of bloody crimes, and the city is full of violence. And this could be talking about... The land of Israel ultimately is talking about the entire planet. Wherefore I bring the worst of the heathen, and they shall possess their houses. I will also make the pomp of their strong to cease, and their holy places shall be defiled. Destruction cometh, and they shall seek peace, and there shall be none. Mischief shall come upon mischief, and rumor shall be upon rumor. Then shall they seek a vision of the prophet, but the Torah shall perish from the priests, and the counsel from the agents. The king shall mourn, and the prince shall be clothed with desolation. 
and the hands of the people of the land shall be troubled. I will do unto them after their way and according to their uh, deserts, deserts, according to their deserts will I judge them. Um, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So that is what God will do to us, ladies and gentlemen. And this this could also refer uh, to the entire planet. And uh, we, we, we've got to repent as a nation, as a world, for none of these things to happen. And so I took the time out of my busy schedule to give this very important message to you. And the message is that if we don't re- uh, repent collectively as a nation, that things are going to get worse and don't expect things to get any better. And uh, we're going to have tough economic times and and uh, things are going to really get to a point where we're going to be in danger of uh, being nuked. Uh, That's another program. But uh, right now, this message is to tell you that we need to be prepared for the worst. And as long as you stick to God, study Psalm 91, as long as you stick to him, uh, you'll be protected. And you need to listen to uh, when Elijah comes on the scene. You need to listen to him, whoever he is, uh, to give us instructions on, on on uh, being protected, ladies and gentlemen. So may Yah bless and keep you, and the best thing you can do uh, to preserve your life, and I'm not just talking about your physical life, eternal life, is to start keeping the Sabbath and Holy Days if you're not doing that already. If you want to know how to do that, contact me. Email me at kennard at mercifulservantsofgod.com. That's kennard at mercifulservantsofgod.com. And I will show you how to do that and teach you how to do that. And then... Uh, the second thing, you should do what our government commands us to do. Just be prepared for any emergency, uh, for a hurricane, uh, for electric to be cut off. We should have certain emergency supplies uh, to be prepared for anything. And then Proverbs chapter 22 states the following here. It says, the prudent foresees the evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So let's do what our government says. Uh, we should be prepared for any normal emergency. But uh, the spiritual emergency of, of things happening prophetically to this nation and around the world, for us to prepare for that, we need to just simply obey him and do the best we can. And so, uh, Yah willing or God willing, I'll be available to you next week. And I hope you enjoyed this program. Uh, it was comprehensive. I, I uh, did the best I could to simplify uh, explaining that America is talked about in the Bible. I haven't really gone over more scriptures because of lack of time, but maybe I'll do that in the future. But go to www.britam.org for more information, more detailed information. He also has videos. When you go to that website, there's another website you can go to. Uh, Let me click on that here. When you go to his website, you can click on HebrewNations.com, and I think uh, he also has access to a lot of videos, too. You can go to uh, his YouTube channel, uh, HebrewNations.com. YouTube channel, and uh, he has several videos to to teach you who the tribes are today in these end times. All right, so may Yah bless and keep you, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, God willing, I'll be available uh, to speak to you um, some other time. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, The day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. 
And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. <laughs> 